aim high enough to encourage yourself, but don't don't set yourself a goal that's unachievable. Pick something that's small. You know, tomatoes are great. Maybe marrows, um, cucumbers, something you'll... And of course, you know, with regards to food growing, you want to be growing something that you're going to enjoy eating, of course. That, mm. That's a good sort of goal as well. But, you know, start off small and grow something that you really want. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. That was Daniel from Home Gardens. He runs a YouTube channel that's got loads and loads of followers, and he does all things to do with with gardening, specifically vegetable gardening. And we have a really good chat about how he got into gardening, what inspired him to get into gardening, and we talk about what he does, really. He really concentrates on small gardens, which I think works really, really well for lots and lots of us as gardens get smaller and smaller and with the, the country filling up with people, as he mentions, um, I think it's really good to know how you can garden in a small space. So without further ado, let's start the podcast. Hi, you're listening to Plants and Me, the podcast that is all about plants, gardening, and the people who are passionate about them, with your host, Alan Lodge. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Hello, Alan. How's it going? Really, really good, thank you. Where are you joining us from? I'm in Colchester in Essex. Oh, brilliant! So you're you're just down the road from us when we uh, when we were doing wholesale. We used to I used to be up and down the A12 delivering to um, to garden centres up your way. So the weather's good with you? Yeah, very good. Yes, uh, sunny at the moment. Had a good day at uh, work today. It rained a little bit, but managed to uh, you know, carry on with the job, so it wasn't uh, wasn't a problem. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into gardening. Well, how I got into it, uh, very fortunate. Both sides of my family are keen gardeners. Um, my great-grandfather on my father's side, he actually used to walk behind a shire horse, you know, with a plough and that sort of thing. Um, so basically it's kind of in the blood on the family. Um, my grandmother on my mother's side, very much into flower growing and that sort of thing. So I was brought up around it. So it was never a thing that I deliberately learned. It was just being brought up and just being exposed to gardening. And it was a sort of a love from a young age, really. Mm, excellent. Yeah, and it's um, it's something you've gone into professionally and also you're, you're quite into YouTubing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> with regards to doing it professionally, um, I was working as a care assistant. I worked as a care assistant for 11 years and uh, I built up a gardening business uh, on the side and um, slowly I ended up doing more and more work and uh, I got some part-time work with a really good local tree surgery company and they were really, really good to work for and that sort of further helped my love for it and before I knew it, I could stop doing the care work and uh, I started up a full-time gardening business and uh, haven't really looked back since. Mm -hmm. And gardening businesses, I know, can be um, can be really, really tricky through the winter months. Uh, do you still do the gardening through those months? Yes, I do. Um, <clears throat> you know, I also do a little bit of labouring as well for the tree company if I run out of uh, <laughs> if I run out of my own work. But yeah, as much as possible, I'm very grateful for that as well. But uh, as much as possible, I do um, you know carry on throughout the uh throughout the months because uh you know the bills don't stop just because uh just because the weather is bad so one has to carry on whenever they can and particularly in something like gardening you don't really know 
what the weather's going to do. You don't know, you know, for all you know, even in the middle of summer, it could rain for a whole month. You don't have any work. So you've got to, you've got to be quite sort of determined to get done what you can because, uh, you know, if you can't work and you can't pay those bills, then uh, things are very difficult indeed. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. And um, when did you start going on YouTube then? Oh, I think it was about 2015, something like that. I remember I uploaded one video um, just of a, a random garden, and I was amazed that I even managed to uh, upload that onto YouTube. Um, then I, you know, yeah, it wasn't a wasn't a great video, um, and, you know. And then I, I deleted it, and I didn't bother for a while. But then a few months later, um, I think my first ever video was on the Apple variety Winter King, um, otherwise known as Winston which is a long-keeping apple. When I first heard about this on the Stephen Hayes FruitWise YouTube channel, um, I recommend people check that one out uh, if they want to. But, um, yeah, and so I just uploaded that. And I remember a chap called Vinny on the channel, which is now called Fruit Nut, um, previously known as Fruits for Life, left a comment on there. And I think Nora Hepburn did either on that one or on another video sort of uploaded close to that time. And then when I got the comments, I thought, well, you know, and saw the views, even though it was like just five or six views initially, it was like, oh, people are interested in this. So uh, just carried on doing it. And anything that I thought was of interest, I would upload it and put it onto YouTube. And before I, before I knew it, you know, the subscriber count, you know, to begin with, I mean, when I first got my first 30 subscribers, it was like, wow, you know, people are really, people, you know, at least 30 people are interested in mm. this. Yeah. And uh, it just carried on from there, really. Excellent. And what do you gear your YouTube channel towards these days? Well, basically, um, I gear my channel towards people that, of course, anyone's welcome to watch it, no matter what growing system they've got but it's mainly geared towards people who have a small to a medium-sized garden um, don't have much time aren't financially wealthy and um, just want to have a go at it just want to get going sort of like a lot of it is sort of invoking people's interest getting them getting them into it sowing the seed i know that sounds a bit sort of corny but uh, or a pun whatever the term is but uh, it's got to be um you know you, you've got to get people into it and a lot of people have got this huge like it, a lot of people they build a wall up around themselves when it comes to gardening and people do that in many aspects of life i've done it to my I've done it in my own life in many subjects many times but it could be something like well um i live in a flat so i don't have I don't have a garden. I don't have a communal garden, communal garden, however you say it. But um, then I talk about people growing things on windowsills. Um, if time allows and resources allow, maybe community gardens. Of course, that's a, that's a big subject because whilst you're doing that, you're not at work and, you know, the modern day pressures and stuff, it's not that simple. But uh, I sort of encourage people to, you know, try and find a way. If it's something that really that they really want to do and it really, really interests them and they just want to do it, I encourage them to do it and to indeed find a way if possible. And, um, you know, I like to sort of get people to believe that they can do it because people think, of course, you know, I was guilty of this myself. I think, oh, I've only got a small garden. Um, it's never going to be amazing. You know, you're going to watch, you watch these television programs that have got beautifully kept, pristine gardens with loads of different varieties of plants and people can get despondent because of that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, then they see, 
you know, maybe someone like me on, on YouTube, who's basically just your average everyday bloke um, who works as a maintenance gardener and before that was a care assistant for 11 years, um, you think like, well, you know, um, I can I can indeed give it a crack if I want to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course, gardens um, uh, are getting smaller and smaller. Um, there's no doubt about it. And you probably see that in your, your maintenance um, um, career as well. Well, I do. Um, I mean, houses and gardens getting smaller. Well, not necessarily houses, but the gardens. Gardens getting smaller. I mean, to me, it's. I don't like to personally see it, but at the end of the day, you know, the country is very populated now. Um, here in the southeast, very much so. Um, and I suppose rules of whatever the term is will dictate that eventually the gardens have to get smaller to allow people to fit in you know, fit all together. You know, you, you look at these old council houses that were built shortly after the war and they've got really long gardens, beautiful gardens, like 120 feet, sometimes bigger, some of them. And that's because a lot of the people used to grow their own fruits, their own vegetables, and it was an important part of life back then, whereas now, for many people, it's not so important mm. or can't be as important because they haven't got the time because they've got to spend all this time at work to pay, you know... <laughs> pay a mortgage to pay to pay a rent and things can fall by the wayside but i certainly do do notice you know you see these new builds and the gardens are very very tiny in many cases and many of them have uh, you know they've got this sort of astro turf or whatever it is fake grass mm-hmm. you know as opposed to uh, as opposed to a lawn and uh, you know everyone's got their own their own opinion on that and um mm-hmm. who am i to judge eh well, yeah, um, but it's. Uh, I find it quite interesting. You mentioned time there um, because I think it's something. Whether people have got enough time or not is is uh, is open for debate. For the people that don't think they've got enough time to do gardening, what what would you say to them? Well, to me, it's it's about the want. Um, it's about the want and how much you want to do it. Now, for instance, whatever you're trying to to learn or do you've got to really really want to do it so for instance you may have seen on my youtube channel i play a little bit of guitar um i've got this thing in my mind of playing trying to play for half an hour a day but i'm sometimes i have to try to play whereas i don't have to try to do my garden it just happens naturally i just end up out there in the garden because I truly love it. And if you've got a love for something, I think naturally um, you will end up doing it. But people that haven't got their time, you know, don't think they've got the time to do it. The thing is to take small steps. So, for instance, again, it's all about getting despondent and not frightening yourself. Because if you turn around and you set yourself a stupid, in my opinion, lofty goal that's basically unachievable in your in your circumstances so for instance if i turned around and i said yep i'm going to be gardening eight hours every day i'm going to finish my work as a maintenance gardener then i'm going to come home and garden for six hours every evening that's not going to happen because i'm generally very tired when i get back Hmm. um so what i say to people is start off small so let's say you say right i've got i've got a few plant pots i've got some compost i've got some seeds i'm going to grow three or four tomato plants and see how I get on. I say, yep, that's a good thing to do because try and get your success on a small amount first before you go crazy in on it. We've all done it. I've done it many times. But, 
you know, go for quantity over quantity, which is, again, much easier said than done. You know, I see it when people go to garden centres and they, <clears throat> they buy all these lovely, wonderful plants and then they bring them back. You know, they've got to have a place to go in the garden. That little shrub that you've bought that's now a foot tall, well, in five, ten years, it could be 15 to 20 feet tall. So you've then created yourself more maintenance. And if you're not careful, you can create yourself almost your own monster, which you really don't want because you want to be encouraging yourself to slowly develop this um, this interest if you want it. And um, I say to people, you know, start off small. Don't aim too high. Be Aim high enough to encourage yourself, but don't don't set yourself a goal that's unachievable. Pick something that's small. You know, tomatoes are great. Maybe marrows, um, cucumbers, something you'll... And of course, you know, regards to food growing, you want to be growing something that you're going to enjoy eating, of course. That, mm. That's a good sort of goal as well. But, you know, start off small and grow something that you really want. If it's with regards to flowers, you know, if you really, really like tulips, plant some tulip bulbs, don't plant daffodils, mm. you know, encourage yourself, work, work hard to develop yourself, develop your, your lust for it, if you will. And before you know it, you know, a year or so may have passed and you, it, it should naturally happen if it's something you really want to do, as long as you're realistic as to what your aim is and what you can achieve. Yeah, definitely. And I think people are better off choosing a, like you say, a small goal, if that's the the right way to put it, um, that actually they can pull off, um, like a few tomato plants, as you say, rather than going for this massive thing. And then nothing ever really works quite right, um, especially to begin with. Um, it's one of those weird things, gardening. I think it's, it's probably the shops, the garden centres, maybe even ourselves as a nursery. We encourage people to buy more and more for obvious reasons, because it's a business, but actually to begin with people should should do a little bit and get that right because when you're learning gardening the same as you're learning any skill or or any hobby you're going to make mistakes and actually you're going to make mistakes 60 years into it not not just uh, it just the first year you will constantly make mistakes with gardening i think little and small is the way to go well it is and i mean i remember it um, years ago i was watching a guitar instruction video and the guy was saying on there you know about um when you when you're learning guitar it's the same as when you're eating a meal when you get a meal in front of you you don't try and stuff it all in in, in one go mm. you know you, you you pick little bits and you know but then you've eaten your whole meal you know because if you stuff it in it's going to go all over your face and make a mess <laughs> and oh uh, yeah and i mean we've all I've, you know you know, we've all been pigs in our life with regards mm. to food one time or another, but it just doesn't work. You know, you end up with food all over your clothes, all over the show. Whereas if you just picked little bits, you'd have enjoyed the meal. Mm. Same as with gardening, you know, do some tomatoes, do some, you know, the stuff we spoke about, stuff like that. And then with regards to like a fruit tree or something, you might think, oh, I'd like a, oh, I'd like, you know, okay, well, you haven't got much space. All right, I'm going to get myself a little dwarf fruit tree and I'm going to put it in a pot and see how I go. Mm. Um, alternatively, you could go out and buy five or six fruit trees. Um, you end up getting maggots in every single fruit that you've done. You, you don't know how to necessarily take care, but you end up with getting disease. You end up buying a peach tree and getting peach leaf curl because you don't, you don't mm. keep the tree dry in the winter months. And you just end up sort of, 
yeah, getting to a point a beautiful subject could become something that to you is not that beautiful anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that's where um, YouTube and and podcasts and and books and the internet and stuff can really help people because actually, certainly for myself, um, I I do quite like to read, but I'm, I read very very slowly. Um, that's where I, I will jump onto YouTube to join to to learn a new skill. And I think your your channel and and lots of others out there are fantastic for people who just want to start something and maybe get some results quite quickly. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And if you go onto YouTube, you can generally now, because there's so many people at it, you can generally find something that is applicable to you. Um, I remember the first, the channel that really got me inspired, if you will, I've mentioned it before, was the Stephen Hayes Fruitwise channel. Mm. Um, and seeing all these old-fashioned varieties of apples that he was growing, um, admittedly, he's got a, a lovely orchard to grow them on but you know the old-fashioned varieties the beautiful i think he was talking about one called court court pendu plat which is believed to be the oldest um oldest known apple in cultivation and i think he mentioned about it believed to be introduced to the uk by the romans so if you think of that massive just how powerful and inspiring that is but then you know you look around and you think ah but uh, now you can buy dwarfing trees that you can have in, you know, dwarfing rootstocks that you can grow in containers and pots. And it's just, it's just amazing what can be achievable now um, due to something as simple as a dwarfing rootstock. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned your, your guitar there and your, your aiming to practice, uh, was it half an hour every day, is it, every day? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, sometimes I do more, sometimes I do less. I mean... Uh, you know, I'm under no illusions. I'm never going to be Jimi Hendrix, but uh, nor would I. You know, nor would I want to be because this again is one one thing I think where people fall down on in many aspects of life is they try to be what they're not. <clears throat> and I think we can all improve, but to excel in a particular area, to truly excel, I, I believe you've got to have a natural gift for that. Um, everyone can improve, but not everybody can excel, and that is. And that is very much, um, you know, a belief. For instance, you might get someone who is naturally very good at mathematics and really, really enjoys that. But, um, you know, put them on a basketball court, they may just have not got the potential to do that. I think this belief that we can be anything that we want is not correct. And I think, you know, to sort of propagate that belief is not necessarily not necessarily the right thing to do. Mm, yeah, I, I agree entirely. Um well, one thing I was going to mention about your guitar playing, you play to your plants. Yes, I do. Yeah, well, that was, um, like, what I do, I mean, obviously the, the video where I was playing to the plants, and, yeah, some of that was a bit of light humour, but I think most people, you know, work that one out. But, uh, you know, what sometimes I go out in the garden, I put the old, um, what do you call it, I get the old acoustic guitar on, and I play in the polytunnel. And sometimes for me, like, the ambience of being in the polytunnel is nice, um, some people say that the plants respond well to the vibrations. You know, who am I to argue? At the end of the day, they're living things like humans. And, you know, the music that I'm into, <clears throat> a lot like the blues, a um, lot of history with the blues, but it could be associated with work music, you know, keeping people going through tough times. Um, not going to talk too much about that, but if people want to research, you know, the origins of the blues, they can. It's very fascinating. And that rhythm 
and keeping, you know, sometimes when I'm working in the garden, in people's gardens, I've got the blues going on in my head. Mm. And um, it sometimes helps to push me through because the way that that rhythm is made, it's made to a degree to make you work. And it just makes you wonder, do the plants pick that up? Who knows? Mm. And I believe, uh, and maybe I'm misquoting here, but I, I believe um, that Prince Charles is one of the firm believers of, of music to plants. I'm sure he is. Well, he, he may well be. And the, the thing is, I mean, you know, some people might laugh at this idea, but to my understanding, there's no, there's not been anyone who's been able to ask a plant, you know, do you grow quicker when, when I play music? And, you know, they're, they're living things. Um, you know, you do see dogs, for instance, when they hear music, sometimes you'll see them start nodding their head, you know, mm. to the beat. Mm. And, um, you know, there, were, there are vibrations involved and there's probably scientific stuff with atoms and molecules and all that jazz, which I don't know that much about. But uh, I, I certainly wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't rule anything out. Let's put it that way. No, quite, definitely. Um, and, and you're a great person to ask. So there'll be people out there who, who love gardening, uh, really into gardening. But as we mentioned before we hit record, uh, earning a living uh from plants or, or growing or gardening can be really, really tricky, especially in this country where we don't have a an all year round season. What would you say to them about uh, maybe trying to make YouTube one of those avenues of income? Well, the thing with <clears throat> making YouTube an avenue of income is you've got to work out what is what is the point of you of you doing of you doing it you know because i think if anyone turned around and said i'm going to be a famous professional youtuber earning i don't know let's let's think of uh, what one could describe as a livable wage in this country of course this will vary let's say let's say 20,000 pounds right mm. If someone turned around and said, yep, I want to earn £20,000 as a YouTuber, I would say, yeah, okay, Um, it's not impossible, but it's probably quite close to it. Um, But if you want to, there's so much you can do with with YouTube, you know, you can just just do what I've done at the moment and just stuck with the basic um, AdSense revenue, but some people do this affiliate marketing, Um, some people sell t-shirts, things like that. Um, you can sell consultation services, um, you know, where you're talking to people. But like anything, you can take it, you can take that as far as you as far as you want, um, or you could just do what I do. And any you know any AdSense revenue I get, I use to buy more plants or whatever for the garden to make the channel better and to make the garden better to give people a better viewing experience. Mm. Um, could it be? Realistically speaking, could one make a living out of YouTube gardening in this day and age? I would say for a new channel, it would be incredibly difficult, and you'd have to be—you'd have to get so much interest, and you'd have to be showing—you'd have to be very, very unique um, in what you're in what you're doing to make a living out. But could it be part of a living? Yes, it could. Um, if that's if that was one one's intention, but I would say to anyone who wants to do YouTube. Do it for the love, don't do it for the money. Mm. And I'd say, actually, if you did it for the other way around, unless you're an incredibly t- talented presenter or or personality, I think it just won't come across quite right. I think certainly the YouTube channels that I watch, um, they are passionate about various 
the subjects that you're you're looking at and the ones that aren't passionate unless you particularly want a tiny little bit of information from it um you don't tend to watch the whole video no and and it's like you know for instance i remember i remember hearing about these people that do the children's channels or whatever the children's entertainment channels um you know some of these are earning some incredible money doing that but and and other things but at the same time even if that was more lucrative, it certainly wouldn't be right for me to now start a children's entertainment channel because it just wouldn't work, mm. you know. And I think that in any business or whatever that you that you do, um, the love for it, certainly if you work for yourself, the love for it needs to be at the forefront of it because it's going to be hard, you know. No matter what business you're doing, it's unless you're incredibly lucky mm. or you know, you've got a million pound in the bank or whatever, you've, it's going to, it's going to be tough, you know? So if you start a business as a painter and decorator, you know, you might end up spilling paint all over someone's floor one day and, have to, and it'll cost you a thousand, might have to claim on your insurance, whatever. But the love for that subject is what will eventually get you through with that. But if you don't love what you do, then I think it would be very, very difficult to force yourself. You would, you would have to force yourself through it, which to begin with would be okay. But I would imagine after a while, you would have uh, you would have problems doing that. If you're not true to what you really want to do, you know, if I turned around and, um, I don't know, started up, uh, tried to be a solicitor or something like that, it just wouldn't work, even though the monetary rewards in being a solicitor, of course, are going to be much I would imagine much, much higher than being a uh, being a maintenance gardener. It just would not work, and it wouldn't be me being true to myself. And regardless of the money, I don't think it would be worth it. No, quite. I agree. And um, and actually, I think you meant, obviously you are a maintenance gardener. Um, I think that is more realistic for people. Um, I think people um, people always want that sort of gardening done, and it's a great way to learn. Uh, the industry without a doubt yeah it it is and I mean the thing with maintenance gardening is excuse my the term here but it's literally a growing industry (laughs) Um, in both ways obviously you know if you cut someone's lawn um, you know you'll be you'll be cutting it again generally you know, of course, there's periods of drought, like what happened last summer when I didn't cut a lawn for about three months, apart from the guy that watered his lawn. But the general point is, is it regrows. Um, so it's a, it, it's a, it's a, and it's, it's a good, in, it's a, it's an enjoyable industry where which, if you love it, you can have a really good lifestyle. You know, you can meet really nice people doing it. Um, you, of course, you, you meet some not so nice people as well, but that, but that, uh, that rule applies to all aspects of life, whatever. But it's, it's just, um, it's, if you take something like with regards to business, if you, if you think of, say, a builder or something, mm-hmm. a builder is going to be building that garage or that extension once, mm-hmm. or you, you put a fence up. You put the fence up, then you put the fence up once, and then you might not ever see that customer again. Mm. But when you're doing maintenance gardening, you're building up a relationship with the customer. And it's like, you know, you know what that customer comes to expect. They know what to expect from you. And, you know, you've got like a little rapport going and you don't even have to speak to each other because, you know, some lady might like her roses pruned in this particular way. You know that next year when you do that, 
or this this conifer hedge that you cut this year, you know that she'll say, right, I like it done like this. You'll be coming back next year to do it. You then know how to do it. You then realize you start to realize how that hedge works, for instance, and then you start knowing how to do that hedge. So it's like a, a constant rapport that you're building up with people. And I suppose to a degree, the same is true on YouTube because, uh, you know, hopefully people will keep revisiting your channel and they will eventually, you know, keep coming back because they're interested in what you like mm. and what they like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that must be a really nice aspect of, of gardening where you, like you say, you kind of get to know a hedge if, if that's the right way of putting it. Well, putting it bluntly, that is the way to put it. Um, you know, and you know that hedge is this shape. You know that it's got that dead bit of brown in it from where someone's either cut it too deep with a hedge trimmer, the conifer hedge, and made it brown, or it's died back there, or it's dying back. But then you go back the following year and you see, oh, this is actually whatever whatever tree or hedge, bush, shrub, whatever it may be. Oh, it's actually recovered now. It looks great. Mm. Oh, good. It's, it's on the mend. And you think, well, that, that hedge, tree, shrub, whatever's been there the last 50 years, and I'm hopefully helping it to continue to be there for another 50 years. Because basically, sometimes you'll see gardens where people haven't um, done the correct maintenance for whatever reason. They're like, it's either not their thing or they haven't had the money or they just don't see it as a priority. And before you know it, they've got ivy growing up into their guttering and it's ripping the, uh, ripping the guttering off, mm-hmm. some, something like that. And you're sort of helping, you're helping the garden and the the customer to coexist, if you will, um, particularly if the person is not interested in gardening at all and just wants a night, just wants a got the garden kept. So it's not a trouble to them, but, um, you know, you, you, I've seen Ivy growing in through people's vents because they haven't, uh, they haven't, they haven't dealt with it for whatever reason. And, and then the, the garden actually starts to come into the house and, you know, it, it being left to its own devices. I mean, you can imagine, a small, just a small garden, leave it for 5, 10, 15 years, just what could happen. And as a gardener, you're, to a degree, you're kind of like the liaison between the garden and the householder, if you will. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And actually, uh, even if people don't like f- the physical act of gardening, um, generally speaking, I find that's when people haven't tried it. But if they don't like the actual act of gardening, the majority of people enjoy being in a garden. Um, and I guess that's that's where the pleasure for for you as a maintenance gardener is as well, because you've you've given them that that nice bank holiday barbecue where they can sit outside, or or that nice summer evening where they can actually sit and enjoy that garden rather than having to to think about that that ivy that needs pruning or the or something like that. Yeah, it's you know it's a very yeah it is like for instance you know when if. If you, if let's say somebody's gone to hospital or something like that, and the family say, "Oh, can you just quickly do a quick tidy up of the garden so it's nice for when my for when my parent comes home," or you know, I do I do the other um, I do a, a commercial premises where which they do wedding um, weddings receptions and all that sort of thing, and you know, you're making that garden nice, and that's going to be in somebody's uh, wedding photo. I mean, you know, how long a marriage will last this day and age is another subject entirely. But the point of the matter is, is um, you know, that that picture's that picture's taken, and if you've pruned that shrub to look nice, that's in that picture, and that could be helping to shape someone's memory of their wedding day, mm. and um, it, it can just make people feel really good. And, and also, the opposite is true. You know, you go around some people's houses, and they they really. 
you know, borderline depressed because their garden's in such a state. They don't know how to deal with it. They're not well enough. They haven't got the equipment. They haven't got the time. And it's just like, oh, help me, help me, please. Mm. You know, and then you spend, you know, sometimes it doesn't even take that long. Sometimes you can, as long as you know the right parts to target, you give them two hours of good, good old-fashioned hard graft, a lot of the gardens you can completely, you know, turn around. Of course, many take more than that. But let's say you spend a morning or a day in someone's garden, you know, you sort out, you cut the grass, you sort out the borders, you prune the shrubs that are looking a bit unkempt, and you just make it look, make it look beautiful. Edges are particularly important uh, when you're cutting a lawn. Um, you know, nice, crisp edges really, really can make or break a garden. And when you see people's reaction to when you've done some work for them, or it could even be as poignant, I think that's the term, as you keeping that garden is part, partly allows them to stay living in that house because mm. they can't do it themselves. They're not well enough. They haven't got any family members that are either prepared nor capable to do it or they, or they just haven't got any family members and they can't get another gardener. And if you don't do that garden for whatever reason, they might end up living in a care home or living in a flat not living in the house they've lived for the last however many years where they brought their family up and they want to stay there. So, you know, you, as a maintenance gardener, it's a lot It's a lot deeper than just, uh, you know, cutting a bit of grass. Mm. Excellent. And I'm so pleased you mentioned edges because um, it makes a massive, massive difference. Um, and it's such a, a simple thing that normally, unless you're talking about acres and acres of land, doesn't take that long. No, it doesn't. I mean, for instance, the other day I did someone's, I did someone's garden, worked in their garden. Now, the daughter cuts the grass um, basically because it's more cost-effective for the daughter to cut the grass and for me to do the, the borders and that sort of thing. Mm. So what I did, um, but what the lady asked me to do was to, um, where the grass and the dirt was growing over the slabs where which formed the path, I think you know what I mean, mm. um, I cut them back using a half moon to mm. stop them growing over. And, the, you know, and that laid to that... To anyone really who, who likes a nice garden, that making it crisp and beautiful like that is so so. Um, it's so. It's just really really. It's very important. I remember one of the first jobs I did on gardening was I cleaned someone's block paving, not pressure washed it, but the bloke wanted he wanted the the weeds taken out because you know you get weeds growing in amongst block paving. Um, I remember I went through it with a. Um, you know, the old Wolfgarten brush, wire brush on the end of the pole. Wolfgarten, great tools in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and um, I cleaned it using that and just crisping up his edges where the dirt again had grown, the grass had grown over the block paving. Edging is really, really important. Um, and I think that if, just by having a, something nicely crisply edged and then if you, you know, you can sometimes edge it once the void is there, you can strim it to do it. But, you know, sometimes just going over it with the old-fashioned edging shears really puts that beautiful, crisp look on it, and that really can make the difference between, you know, just your average border or your grass and something outstanding. And I think, you know, as long as the customer wants it, of course, to go for outstanding is the, is the, uh, the correct thing to do. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. So some questions where you always ask people, and we've spoken about your inspirations and things like that, especially with regards to... Uh, uh, your grandparents and and the YouTube channel, but was there a particular book or or maybe person that really inspired you maybe to take uh, take your gardening a little bit further? 
Right. It was um, certainly regarding YouTube. Um, probably I would say the one that I really liked his approach to the whole thing was Stephen Hayes on the Stephen Hayes Fruitwise channel. Mm. Um, and one thing I very much liked about him was he, he was doing this thing every other year or every year where he was sending out scions for grafting. Mm. And I started grafting my own fruit trees. So, um, you know, and um, it was because of him sending the scions to the, for these varieties. And to me, that was such an important thing. And he was sending out, I think he was sending them to places like Eastern Europe as well, where they could, you know, start new orchards out in places, out in places like that. So certainly regarding YouTube, he was an inspiration for starting a gardening channel. Um, with regards to, you know, my own interest in gardening from the word go, I'd have to credit probably every member of my immediate family for that. Mm. Um, my late grandmother, who you know I loved dearly, still do, and always will. Um, she was she used to dry her own flowers and uh, make flower arranging things and all that. And I remember going up in the loft there when I was a kid and seeing her flowers all hanging up, <laughs> and it was just it was just really, 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 really amazing seeing something like that. Going down with grandparents and seeing plum trees, you know, Victoria plums. Mm-hmm. Um, my own parents growing their own food whilst I was growing up because I'm they they had me when they were I think in their early twenties. I was born in the year nineteen eighty four, mm-hmm. um, and um, <clears throat> I remember eating eating food from the garden that they had grown, and it was like wow, you know, and it was it was a lot of it then was to do with survival because. They had a big, you know, big garden when the times when properties weren't quite so expensive as they are now, and you could actually get a, a big uh, house or a big garden for a semi-sensible price, very much unlike today. But um, so you know, eating baked potatoes from the garden at a young age, greens, cabbage. I mean, my anyone to me when I was a kid that said that uh, they didn't like cabbage, to me they were an idiot, and they still are actually in many ways because um, you know, I was brought up on cabbage. You know, my parents never had any difficulty getting me to uh, to eat to eat greens, mm. um, and it, it's just yeah, basically every member of my my immediate family mm. is into gardening in one way in one way or another. I mean, there's landscape gardeners in my family as well. You know, people that aren't necessarily into gardening per se, mm. but they're into like putting up fences and putting up sheds and building garden walls, things like that. You know, which of course is the other another aspect of, but it still comes under the umbrella of gardening. Yeah, quite definitely. And when you're you're walking around a garden, or maybe for yourself um, uh, doing your doing your job, um, is there a particular tool or a bit of equipment you always want to have with you? Right. Um, as far as um, working as a professional gardener, maintenance gardener, one of the best things I would say to anyone to get would be a combi tool. Um, so that's, you know, you can get, you can get whatever make you want, all different prices. I always advise people to get the best they can because especially if you're going into it as, as a profession, you don't want rubbish tools that keep breaking on you. You've got to have quality, you've got to be reliable. Um, but you know, if you've got a multi-tool with a, a strimmer attachment, a hedge trimmer attachment and a pole chainsaw attachment, that will get you a long way. Because quite often, if the, obviously if the customer's prepared to let you use them, you can use the customer's sort of hoe, uh, garden fork, spades, if there's a, you know, a, a good agreement between you two and you're, you're both happy with that. 
but they probably wouldn't have a really nice combi tool sitting about. Mm. So I would say something like that. Of course, you know, the basics are very important. Your hoe. Um, one thing I do rate very highly are Felco secateurs or secateurs, whatever you want to say. Someone, you know, some people say secateurs, some say secateurs. Oh, I never know don't which they? way around it is, to be honest. Yeah, well, sometimes you get the grammar police on YouTube correcting how you say things, you know. <laughs> but, um, but um, yeah, so, um, but yeah, Felco 2 secateurs are very good. Um, a pair of loppers is very good for, for home gardening, you know, a spade. Um, again, a hoe, um, good pair of gloves. When I work as a gardener, I just use basic builder's gloves for things like weeding because they, they're cheap and you're going to go through these gloves. You're going to go through these a lot if you're doing a lot of work because they break, so you don't want ones that are too expensive because you're going to be regularly changing them. Um, another thing, always have a pair of thick gloves with you because if someone says, yeah, I want you to prune that hawthorn tree, mate, or that blackthorn, which is equally lovely to prune, <laughs> you know, which I, I do know because I got um, a hawthorn right in the end of my finger one day and I couldn't get it out and had to go to A&E. So, you know, a pair of thick gloves, very important. It's pyrocanthal that always seems to get me. Yeah, pyrocanthal. I've got one of those coming up to prune, actually, I think. Is it tomorrow? No, it's Wednesday. But yeah, I've got, but once again, you see, I've done that pyrocanthal several times. So uh, myself and that pyrocanthal are at one. <laughs> Maybe I should take the guitar and play to it first and beg for mercy, you know? Yeah, I, I think I would. I'd, I'd take any, 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 um, anything you can get to try and not get uh, spiked by a pyrocanthal. They can be really, really vicious. Yeah, 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 they can. It's, uh, but you know, they're, they're very important for the birds and, you know, of course, pyrocanthus and stuff, and um, I pruned some blackthorn the other day. You know, very, very survivable trees. Mm. You know, things. You know, you're not going to necessarily get a deer want to scratch itself up against a blackthorn if there's a great big uh, spike sticking out of it. No, quite. And um, <laughs> you've been gardening for a, for a while now, and have you had? Uh, and I'm sure you'd agree with me. People getting into it to begin with um, are going to make mistakes. But have you had any noticeable failures or mistakes that you made that you can remember? Oh goodness gracious, mistakes, man! I'm the king of mistakes. <laughs> um, I mean, with regards to working as a gardener, yeah, you make mistakes. You underprice <laughs> when you start off. You underprice jobs and. Uh, I remember one job I did, someone wanted me to get rid of a load of green waste that was left there by another gardener for whatever reason. I don't know why it was left there, but it was. And um, I priced it right at the end of a hard day and I was really tired. Mm. And, um, and as I was going through this stuff and putting it you know, in the trailer, it was like, oh, goodness gracious, it's going to cost me a lot more to dump this than I'm necessarily going to get for mm. you know, for doing the job. And it wasn't quite that simple, but you know where I'm coming from. I do, yeah. But uh, yeah, but the guy, he was very nice and he knew what had happened. I suspect what had happened is another gardener before, he didn't. He said, I'll, I'll do your shrubs for this price, your hedges, whatever, but um, it'll cost this much to do the job, but this much to dump it. And he went, oh, no, put it there and it stayed there. But the guy then obviously got told off by his wife or something for doing it. <laughs> and she said, I want rid of that. So that was, because he was probably happy if it stuffed in the corner. So yeah, pricing the, don't price a job when you're really tired. I learned that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, you know, he was very nice and he actually did say, he, at the end he said, you're a very good man. And um, he actually gave me more than I asked, which was very nice. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but uh, with regards to my own home gardening, um, what did, what, well, the, me the melon project, you know, that failed. Mm. 
yeah, that failed. Um, what else have I done? Oh, yeah, um, thought thinking that I could defy peach leaf curl. That was another one. Um, bought an Avalon Pride peach tree. You know, it's saying, um, oh, yeah, partially resistant to peach leaf curl. Yeah, right. Um, I'm, you know, I put that in the garden and uh, it got wet in the winter and died of leaf curl, even though a guy who was very knowledgeable about gardening said, yeah, I've got an Avalon Pride and that's riddled with leaf curl as well. Um, yeah, I've done that. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, not securing. Um, it's all on my channel. I show my mistakes. I'm quite happy to. Um, not securing a mini poly, mini poly tunnel that ended up all busted up next door. Done that before as well. Um, used old compost which had mites in it which then ate all of my seedlings earlier this year uh, where do you want me to start where do you want me to stop even? <laughs> it's reassuring um, for, for lots of people out there and I, I've said on the podcast many many times that um, our nursery is coming up to 70 years um, and we make mistakes constantly and it's all part and parcel of, of gardening part and parcel of horticulture even um even professional gardeners make mistakes and we we want people to go out there and give it a go you're going to make a mistake i guarantee you will make a mistake at some point um, but i'm sure you'd echo that actually you have to get through that and, and there's going to be some stuff that works and some stuff that doesn't well yeah i mean i was i've always believed there's only one person who doesn't make a mistake and that's someone who doesn't actually do anything mm. um so if you sit about in your chair all day and you just watch television yeah, you're not going to make any mistakes, but you're not actually going to do anything anyway either. So, you know, no matter who you talk to, you can talk to people that, you know, lay carpets. I guarantee if you find a carpet fitter that has, that's been doing it a decent amount of time, maybe they've just miscalculated that a few centimetres and they went to roll the carpet out and it's a few inches or centimetres, whatever, short of where it should be. Um, of course, you mustn't do that too often as a professional because it will prove very costly. Yeah. But uh, failures, are, was it... Yo, Master Yoda said in one of the Star Wars, failure is the best teacher. Yeah. And um, it's true. And this is one reason why I always hammer on, particularly about the peach leaf curl and why I grow my peach tree in the polytunnel. There are other ways, of course. You can cover it up in the winter and the outside and with polythene and all that jazz. But, uh, you know, that's why I'm so sort of persistent about people preventing peach leaf curl but anyone that anyone that goes into gardening and you're going to make mistakes i mean there's not a single guy even the the king himself monty don he mm -hmm. makes mistakes yes you know i i really i really don't think there's anyone out there that's been doing gardening for a decent amount of time that hasn't made a mistake no definitely and you mentioned your uh, all your mistakes and and lots of successes are on your youtube channel so where where can people find out more about you and get in contact well, they can contact me on the YouTube channel, really. They can ask me anything they want. Um, I've got this, um, I've got an Instagram um, account as well, Dan underscore Home Gardens. Um, there's not much on there. I'm not, I'm not a massively tech-savvy person. Um, I'm fiddling around with a little bit of video editing, a little bit of that's been me being a bit humorous or not, as some people might think. But, um, yeah, they can get me any questions they want to ask me with regards to gardening on there. I'm perfectly happy. There is an email address on there as well, um, danielmunderwood100 at gmail.com. If anyone wants to ask me about gardening questions, anything really, you know, they're, they're, they're more than welcome to because, I mean, I don't know all the answers and there are far more um, knowledgeable people than myself out there um, on YouTube with regards to gardening. And, um, 
you know, there's, there certainly are. But anyway, I, I try and respond to all comments if I can. I might miss the odd one. Before, when YouTube was just a giggle to me, me not really expecting it to go. I mean, I haven't really gone anywhere, honestly speaking. I mean, I'm not a big-time YouTuber. I'm a small one when it comes to the big scheme of things. But I didn't realize it was going to get to where it's got. It was just, oh, well, blimey, people are legitimately interested in, in this. I couldn't believe it. So um, I started paying more attention to, you know, people actually asking me questions because obviously, you know, grow, to grow your own thing is very, very important. Yeah, definitely. Very important. And it's been really, really nice chatting to you and talking this all, all about gardening and, and your business and things like that. Um, what we do is we make sure all of the, the links and all your info is in the show notes so people can can check it out from there. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for, for joining us. It's been really, really interesting talking to you. Oh, I appreciate that, Alan. It's, uh, yeah, it's been nice talking to you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much to the uh, you know for your interest and Olivia as well for organising it. Uh, yeah. I do I do uh, appreciate it because at the end of the day I'm just uh, some guy with a phone camera and a garden and and uploading what's very interesting to me and mm. it appears to be interesting to other people. So thank you very much. Cheers. No problem at all. Thank you very much and hope we speak soon. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure we will. Excellent. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.